Good morning and Merry Christmas. I'm Pastor Ryan. This Christmas Eve, we will look at the arrival of love as God gives his one and only son. We will examine a many times overlooked passage in 2 Timothy at the implications of Jesus' arrival and our response. Thanks for listening. as we think through whatever planning or holiday season that may be, that when you have 100% trust with people, anxiety doesn't have room because you know that love is there. And love is found to be the roadway upon which trust travels. I've titled our message tonight, The Advent of Love. And we're going to look at a passage from the book of 2 Timothy. If you brought your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn there with me. Uh, in this passage of 2 Timothy is often overlooked as being a Christmas passage, but it is nonetheless a Christmas passage because it speaks to our response to the coming of Jesus into this world. What we're going to do is we'll read through the passage and just very briefly tonight, I want to bring out a few key terms so that we can better understand what Paul is saying to Timothy in the understanding of Jesus's arrival to earth. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, Helen, you have a page number for me? 1853. 1853, if you have a pew Bible in front of you. Starting in verse 8, Paul writes these words. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us. And called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who, was dis- who has destroyed death. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. It's an amazing passage. Paul, in one of his very final letters in writing to Timothy, this this apprentice, this protege, this one who he's trying to grow up into the ministry, even as he begins this this last letter, he's recounting, guess what? The nativity. He's recounting the Christmas story. For Jesus Christ has appeared. And Jesus, in his appearing, has brought with him the power of God. A power that transforms our lives. There's a few words that I want to bring out. The first one here is found in verse 9. Right very in the middle of verse 9. It starts out, he says, Who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and, what's your Bible say? Grace. Grace. There's that word again. Grace. Rick Warren writes in his, uh, in his short book, The Purpose of Christmas Concerning Grace. He says, what is grace? Grace is God's love in action. Grace is when God freely gives you what you don't need, what you need, even though you don't deserve it and can never repay him. Grace is when God solves your greatest problem before you even know it's a problem. 
Grace is the face of God when he looks at your faults, failures, and fears. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you heard that before? It's an acronym. God's starts with a G. Riches are at a Christ's C expense E. It spells G-R-A-C. It spells grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's interesting. I'm hoping that you, like our family, will celebrate early in the morning or maybe tonight the giving of presents to one another. And as we heard even in the children's sermon, that the act of receiving a present doesn't depend on you other than receiving it. That's all it takes is to receive it. I want you to notice what Paul says here in verse 9. Did you recognize it? He says it's not because of anything that we have done. It's not because of anything that you have done. I want you to know tonight, church, that's good or bad. That God loves you with an everlasting love. And he offers to you something that can't be purchased. It can't be contrived. It can't be created. It's something that is given freely from the hand of Almighty God, which is his loving kindness to you. It's solving your problems before you even know you have a problem. It's accepting you, good, bad, and ugly, the whole lot. He takes you in, and he wraps you up in his arms. Grace is unmerited favor from God. I think this is a word that we struggle with, though. I think we like it to stay in church for the most part. It's a good, sanctified word. But when it comes time to really live this out, to receive it into our hearts daily... I think what we find is that we follow a pattern of this world that's really a dog-eat-dog world, right? Climb the corporate ladder, and you get what you, what, deserve in this world. And that's kind of how we tend to think. But to receive grace requires one thing from us. Receiving. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to receive something that you think, no, look, that's, I don't want anyone's charity now. I, I can take care of myself. Because I I wouldn't want anyone to think that I really needed something. I wouldn't want anyone to realize that I actually am in the depths of sin such that I can cover up that nobody knows. But to receive grace means to admit that I am in need of grace. To need a Savior to come into this world is to recognize that I indeed have sin that needs a Savior. And it's very difficult for us to do. But you can't get around it, church. You can't get around it. And Paul, as he writes here to Timothy, is extremely clear in this. And he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ has come and transformed his entire life. Man, I don't care if anyone knows I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of the man born of a virgin from Nazareth. Crucified by Pontius Pilate. Died and was buried. Ascended to God. And was resurrected and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in that God. I am not ashamed of the God. Amen, church? I am not ashamed of that God. He is my king. He is my savior. Because he has offered to me eternal life because of nothing that I could do. He offered it by his own purpose and grace. So we begin there. We have to, we can't get around it. Grace is something that... It's scandalous in our world. It's offensive to a lot of people. But at Christmas, it's seen in the giving of his son. Another thing that I want you to see here is in verse 10. And take a look at this term. He says, 
Uh, that he, he has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So there it is. This is Jesus appearing into this world. That we see the power of God coming. And he has destroyed death and has brought what? This is awesome. He destroyed death and he brings life. He brings life to you. I'm afraid that far too many people consider what happens within Christendom is just a part of religion, just something that we do. It's a holy place we attend to once a week, and it's for those, you know, who need to go to church. And the danger is that we imagine God's real attention to us is maybe similar to how maybe your mom and dad or a neighbor or grandparents or some relative kind of looked down on you and scolded you like, how dare you? And somehow we carry that attitude with us that we view God the same way in our own interpersonal relations with the way we grew up. Church, I'm here to tell you, it couldn't be further from the truth. John writes in John chapter 3, verse 17, that he came into this world not to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus Christ doesn't come to condemn. He comes to bring life. He comes to bring immortality. He comes to bring you eternal hope. He does not bring hate. He doesn't bring guilt. He certainly doesn't bring a set of rules for you to follow. Not disapproval, not scorn, not a judgmental attitude. Verse 10 says it. He destroyed death and has brought life. I want you to clue in on this word brought for just a moment. There's a really beautiful story Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus talks about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. Of these hundred sheep, he has 99 of them who are safely bedded down for the night. They're all tucked in, safe and sound, sugar plums dancing in their dreams. But there's one that's gone missing. There's one that's gone astray. Now, if you ask pretty much anyone in agriculture, that's a pretty good return, right? 99% out of 100, that's a pretty good return. But Jesus says that's not good enough for God. You know what God's going to do? You know what the good shepherd does? You know what Jesus does? He leaves those who are safely bedded down to go chase down the one. He does not come to bring judgment. He does not come to bring a set of rules. He does not come to that sheep and say, man, what's wrong with you? Can't you breathe like the others? What? You knew we were going, but there you had to go. Well, you get what you deserve, frankly. I'll wait for you. Whenever you're ready, you come on. That's not what he does. Instead, the story is just like this. The shepherd goes and he finds the one. And he picks him up and he carries him. He carries him back to the fold. That's what Jesus has come to earth for. Jesus, in coming and bringing grace, has destroyed death. He's done so through the cross. And in replace... In replacement, he has brought life. And he has brought immortality. When you get this, when you understand this, it transforms your life. It transforms how you think. Because there's, you know there's nothing that I could have done to deserve this. And there's nothing I can do to lose this. God in his mercy has decided by his own purpose and by his own grace to save me. That life is now something that I have. That I no longer think like I used to. In fact, the things that I hit me in this life. Come on, folks. Do things hit you in this life? Do you ever get hit with something that you didn't expect in this life? When you understand that does, does not change how God looks at you. And that hope is something that shows life is coming eternal. It may not look the way we think it is on this world. It transforms how you think. 
There's a friend of mine that sent an email out. I think I received it yesterday. It was a, uh, a story of his grandbaby, Evie, and how she passed away only being six months old. Can you imagine? Six months old. She was born premature. I want to read for you just a, uh, one paragraph in his testimony. As this grandpa writes the story, he says, My faith is strong because I believe God's first and only son, Jesus Christ, was born into this world as a baby, just like Evie. What did he say his faith was? His faith was strong. Why? Because he believed in Jesus Christ. Jesus died. He lived a short time on earth just like Evie did. To show us how to really love one another. And then he died just like baby Evie. As you may have heard, Jesus came back to earth in his resurrected healthy body. God promises those of us who truly love him. A real peace about our eternity with him in our new bodies as well as babies and young children who have not had the maturity or the decision to trust him. Baby, baby Evie is present with the Lord right now. Like the scripture tells us, we will be once one day. We will see her again. In eternity, will she will laugh, will she will play, will she, she will sing praises to our Lord. Now you only got two options in hearing that story. One option is to say, yeah, he's just, he's just lying to himself. He's just trying to cope, right? Yeah, life, life handed him a bad lot, and too, you know what? It's too bad, and he's just trying to make it, you know, find a happy thought. That's an option. Or else he's right. Or else he's right. And I would say the proof is found in the experience of those who have gone through hardships. That he is able to say in the loss, in the tragedy of losing six-month-old baby, that he has peace? What does the world know of that kind of peace? Look with me if you still have your Bibles open to Timothy. What does he say in verse 8? So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Now back in that day, that may mean that you got arrested, thrown into jail, maybe even killed or persecuted. Paul says, don't be ashamed of me as a prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Do you see the transformation? Do you see the change? Number one, it starts with this. It, under, it starts with understanding what grace is. That grace is something that's given to you freely by God's decision, not by anyone else's. Anyone who believes in him has been born of God, born not by the decision of human will, but born of divine intervention. You belong to the family of God. And there is nothing that can take you out of the hand of the shepherd. In fact, you know what he would do to chase you down? He would leave the 99 to chase after you because he brings life. He brings immortality. And when you get that message, when you understand that Christmas is all about the advent of love, you will not have a problem trusting God. And you will have a supernatural peace. Life may still be difficult. It may still be hard. But you'll be able to testify like this grandpa. That God has a hope and a plan. Now there's one last piece that I have to really bring out here. Because it comes right at the end in verse 12. He kind of repeats what he said already in verse 8. That's why I'm suffering. And yet I am not ashamed. He said it twice. I'm not ashamed. You see, church, here's the reality, and I hope you hear me on this part. It's not enough to just know this right here. 
It's not enough. You need to move it to the place of transferring your trust of your life into God's hands. The same way in, with my, in which my little boy took that little toy, that thing that he wanted to hold on to and treasure and keep for his own, but instead he let it go. You must do that with your future. You must do that with your own life. The control over who you think is in charge of the plans for what's going on right here. You need to hand that over to God Almighty. Look what he says at the end here in verse 12. He says, I am not ashamed because I know upon whom I have believed. You see, it's not enough just to know up here. You have to believe it. You have to live it. You have to say without a shadow of a doubt, I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ for not only the forgiveness of my sins, but for everything that happens to me in this world, in this life. Because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced, and this is awesome, you guys watching this? And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Until that day. And that's what Paul speaks of. The day of Jesus' return is what he's looking for. I have no question. I have no fear. I'm not ashamed, Paul says. And you shouldn't be ashamed either. Because I know the one that I believed in. And I am convinced that he is able to do what? Do what with your life? To keep it, to guard it, to keep it safe. No matter what you face in this world. Jesus walked the path that very few of us will ever have to walk as difficult as that is. And yet we are called to follow after him. Inasmuch as he didn't belong to this world, guess what? As followers of Jesus, neither do we. I want you to have hope this Christmas. No matter what you face, church. Grace will never be taken from you. It's given to you freely. You just receive it. That's all you have to do for it. It's God's provision. It's God's answer in your life. That he has come into our world. He has appeared, as Paul says, not to bring judgment. Not to point his finger at you. But he has come to bring life. And that if you do like Paul has done, like Timothy is challenged to do. Take that life that you so treasure and protect. And hand it over to him. Church, I'm here to echo his words and testimony as well. I'm convinced he's able to keep it and guard it until the day of his return. Now here's what this means. If you look back in verses 9 and 10, this happened. Grace has been given in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. I, don't, I honestly don't have time this evening to just even dig into that little piece. There's more here than we can cover. But that happened. Grace has been offered to you before the beginning of time. Try to wrap your head around that. But now it has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Church, that happened. The question is, has that happened for you? This is historical fact. You, you, you could spend the time and ask me after church on how Tychicus... Uh, Pliny the Younger, Josephus, all kind of extra-biblical accounts record the coming of Jesus into this world, even being crucified by Pontius Pilate. It's an undisputed historical fact. It happened. The question is, has this happened for you? Have you made it your own? 
Or is it still a present that's sitting yet to be received? As the ushers, uh, I'm going to invite them to come and make their way forward. And as we begin to hear the music played for Silent Night, I want to challenge you tonight, this Christmas Eve, as we look to this candlelight service and as the flame makes its way to spread around, will you let the light of Jesus Christ spread in your heart as well? Will you allow God to illuminate those dark corners such that you can say like the Apostle Paul, you ready? I know the one whom I believed. And church, I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. It's my prayer that you will believe that tonight. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask that you will have us to see the giving of Jesus Christ as the love of God. Come into this world not for judgment, but come into this world for the forgiveness of our sins and for our adoption into your family. Father, I ask if there is anyone here tonight who is still leaving that gift unopened, that it's true it happened in the past, but it's never happened for them. God, I pray that you will make this the moment where they will know without a shred of doubt that they can entrust their future to you. God, will you move by your spirit to cause us to see the love of Christmas come to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name.